Good morning. Good morning. Online and in campus, it is a pleasure to be here with y'all this morning. Thank you guys for, you know, I know it's it's storming outside, but I'm glad you're here, yes. right? We're here for a reason. All right. Uh, quick things. We have our women's ministry meeting tonight, six o'clock, where we have Miss Jackie and Miss Marty and I, we are speaking and I'm so excited. I know they are too. So please, if you can, Please come out, let's fellowship, and let's learn together. I'm going to call up Mr. Norman, and he has some announcements. There you are. I was like, where is he? <laughs> he has some announcements. We're gonna, he's our men's ministry director. Everyone, give him a round of applause, Norman. please. Round of applause. I was trying to help people in from their cars with the rain. And I got distracted and missed some people. <laughs> and Miss Shirley told me I was fired. <laughs> uh, um, I wanted to talk to you just a minute about men's ministry. And we got some stuff coming up. I want you to know about it. Ladies, you can listen too. I want you to encourage your husbands to come. And I'm pretty sure women can make that happen. Um, let me tell you that you don't ever want to tell God what you're not going to do. <clears throat> when I first got saved, I told, I told my wife, but I think God was listening. I said, I'm, I'm okay with Sunday. I come on Sunday, but I'm not going to do all these other things people do in the church. I just can't come out there every night. And lo and behold, I've been men's ministry director in three different churches. So... Uh, Never tell God what you're not going to do because he might just get you to do it. Uh, men's ministry. We don't have men's ministry just to get together and eat. <clears throat> okay, that's a kind of a misconception. We have men's ministry because we need each other and we need God. And to me, the foundational scripture that uh, talks about men's ministry, and it really applies to women's ministry too, Miss Jackie, is uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12. It says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So you guys, you know, you guys know that when you get a rope, it's got many strands in it, and the more strands it's got, the stronger that rope is. Well, people are like that too. If it's just one person, that person can be broken easily <clears throat> by circumstances or by Satan. One person can be overwhelmed. If it's two, it's stronger. If it's three, it's stronger still. So we need each other. Guys need each other. And guys too often try to do things alone. And alone doesn't work. I've seen that in my lifetime. I've seen that fail many times. You got to have somebody, you got to have people around you. And we need God. All right. We can't do, we can't do life alone. No matter what the movies tell you about Lone Rangers and, um, Superheroes that are the lone wolf or whatever, we've got to have help. All right, so we need each other. The other uh, verse that I would point to for men's ministry says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Okay, so if you hang out with other guys, you sharpen each other. One will see somewhere where you're missing something. You'll see something where the other one's missing something. And because of that fellowship, you get bigger better, stronger in the Lord. So we need each other. 
We've got a couple. Oh, and one more thing I had written down here is the example of the mighty men back in King David's time. Before he was king, the guys who became the mighty men of God, before they were the mighty men of God, they were the ones that were in debt, depressed, oppressed, dejected, rejected. They were the ones that were broken. And they hung out in a cave, not because they wanted to hang out in a cave, because that's all they had. And over time, they built each other up, and God built them up. And, and David sang the Psalms to them. The Psalms that are now in the Bible. I believe he, he sang those to his men and put the Word of God into them. And they became the famous mighty men of God that are mentioned in the Bible. So th- those reasons are why we have uh, men's ministry, not to get together and eat, although we do that, but it's those reasons, that we help each other, we grow stronger in the Lord. So a couple things I want you to know. Men mentoring men will meet today, and we're going to meet at 5 p.m. in the classroom. Men mentoring men really meets every Sunday, unless it's a holiday, or unless we had some church-wide event that day. So most every Sunday we're meeting, and we're studying the Gospel of John. And uh, Pastor Charlie is our kind of our facilitator for that, and he is anointed in the ability to teach. If you've ever sat under his teaching, the Scripture opens up to you because of the way he is able to teach, the special gifting he has. And then the other event we're having is next Sunday night. <clears throat> At 6 o'clock next Sunday night, we're having a special meeting. It's open to all the men and all the young men. Uh, Corbin, Nikki, Presley, you guys are all invited. Um, but we're going to cook hamburgers on the grill, so we'll have some good food. And we're going to have a shooting uh, competition. We've got pellet guns. <clears throat> we've got targets. And we're going to see who the best marksman is. And bragging rights will be at stake. I still remember Pastor Tim showed one time that he could hit a playing card on the edge with a gun. So that's still the most awesome shot I've ever seen. But we'll find out who can shoot and who can shoot the best. And then uh, Marcus is going to deliver a Marcus is going to deliver a uh, a talk for us about living life on target. And Pastor Josiah has already made that analogy that without the Holy Spirit, it's like it's like a gun without bullets if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So I'm pretty sure Mark is going to hit on the Holy Spirit because if you don't have the Holy Spirit strong in your life, it's just you. And just you ain't enough. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to be successful in life. Okay? So I would encourage you to come. Bring somebody that hasn't come before. And ladies, if your guy's not coming to men's ministry, you tell him if he expects to eat, he needs to get out here to the church. It's that simple. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Norman. You know, he's right. We need each other. We cannot do this alone. Jesus never did it alone. He was either always with the Father or always with the disciples. And you know, when he sent the disciples out to spread the word, he didn't send them out alone. He sent them out in groups, or he at least said, send them out two by two. So that's our example. We cannot do this alone. 
Women, you cannot do it alone. Men, you cannot do it alone. Come on out. We have a good time. We laugh. We joke. We get the word. We get to shoot guns. So come on out and enjoy. Um, one of the things Pastor Josiah had told us today was that churches around the world are praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. And y'all, this really breaks my heart. These people are out there. They don't know from minute to minute when that knock's going to come on that door and their whole family's going to lose their life. There are people in hiding with their children with no food. They cannot get out of the country. They are stuck. We have missionaries over there who don't know from minute to minute what their life is going to be like. And I got thinking today, we do our faith statement. And I said we make a declaration over our lives. I want us today, as we make this declaration over our lives, let's remember our brothers and sisters in Christ over in Afghanistan. And let's make this declaration over their life also. Because you know what? Their brothers and sisters in Christ, they are also sword drawn. Yes. And they're also word ready. And they are purpose filled. And you know what? God is in their life and they will not be denied. So let's remember those over there. Let's remember what they're going through and let's pray for them that the Holy Spirit and God will show up and show out on their behalf. Amen. So let's stand today and make this declaration, not only for our families, but for our brothers and sisters. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Amen. You know, and also in our faith statement over our giving, you do know that God gave us a command that we were to give into the house of the Lord. Pastor Josiah spoke Wednesday on the fear of the Lord. And we know today that churches today, there is no fear of the Lord. There is no fear of the Lord in the church. There's no fear of the Lord in the family. There's no fear of the Lord in the individual people. We do life, especially here in America, we do life as we want to do it. And we expect God to show up into our box and do things the way we want us to do it. And we have no fear. But God commands us to give into the house of the Lord. And y'all, if we got a fear of the Lord, that should be easy for us. But you know what? He also gives us a blessing. If you read in Malachi, God says, you have robbed me. And they said, people said, well, where have we robbed you? He said, in my tithes and offerings. And because of that, you're cursed. He said, give into my house and see that I will not open up heaven and pour out upon you so many blessings you can't contain it. And church, I don't know about you. I sure don't want the curse. I want the blessing.
So as we make a faith statement today, let's remember why we are giving and what we give into. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen.
we are going to go into a time of prayer for Afghanistan, for our brothers and sisters in the faith who day by day, they don't know what's going to happen. Mothers with their children not knowing when that knock is going to come. Missionaries sending texts and we may die today. But if so, we die for the name of Jesus. So I want you to raise your hands in the air as we sing praises, as we lift praises, as we send blessings, as we send a hedge of protection over our brothers and sisters. And right now I'm going to open with the reading of Psalm 91. Pray in the Spirit, saints. Pray in the Spirit. Cry out to God. Pray in the Spirit. Cry out to the Father. Psalms 91. We pray this over our brothers and sisters. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. The plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand by your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. And Lord God, we send that psalm to our brothers and sisters that you would strengthen their spirits in their time of need. And Holy Spirit, we pray you give them strength that they would witness the gospel unto death. And Lord God, we pray that their martyrdom would not go in vain, but that the American church would wake up. That even when it rains, they would come to church. That even when we're, even when we're persecuted, we will come to church. Lord God, we have taken you for granted. Lord God, wake up your saints across the world to, 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 to travail in prayer for the brothers and sisters across the globe. Lord God, welcome these saints into your loving bosom. Welcome them home, Lord God, and call them faithful and true. Lord God, awaken the heart of your church. Father God, comfort the mothers. Comfort the fathers, Lord God, give the missionaries wisdom to share the gospel. Holy Spirit, be the comforter. We know that you are in these times of dire need. Lord God, give them resolve and boldness to stand. To not deny the name of Jesus, but to know that you will welcome them home. Lord God, we know from Revelation chapter 6 that they are before your throne. The martyrs have a special place before your throne. Father God, right now we just pray for peace in their minds and in their hearts, Lord God. Lord God, break the hearts of saints all across America that this wouldn't be a one-day prayer, but that we would travail in prayer every day for our brothers and sisters. That every day we would go back into battle in the spirit. But Lord God, no one is beyond your grace. So right now we pray, even in the Taliban, that people would come to know the name of Jesus. That just like on the Damascus Road, that they would see a vision of Jesus and that they would know who he is. That you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you are the Lord of angel armies. Right now we pray the angel armies to go to Afghanistan. 
that you will protect your people. And God, you are the same God from the Old Testament, so your will be done. And if you have to supernaturally remove the enemy, remove the enemy from your children. Lord God, we pray strength and boldness to your children. That even though they're across the sea, they are your children. They are our brothers and sisters. And right now, we cannot be selfish in our praise, but we must praise through on their behalf to break down the walls of the enemy, to fight in the spirit, to seek the things of God for our brothers and sisters. Christians, it's not about us. It's about our brothers and sisters that we stand when they cannot stand, that we worship when they cannot worship. Father God, we know from your word that the whole earth will sing your praises. So as we go back into this song, I pray your saints, saints would pray boldly. They would sing boldly. They would sing with confidence. They would stand in faith that, God, I am believing that your supernatural miracles will touch your children overseas, that there would be no doubt in the minds of the world that only God could have done what he did, that the news reporters are baffled, that CNN and Fox are baffled, that they can't explain it, and it doesn't make sense, but they know that you were there, Father God. Use this for your glory, Lord God. Let this glorify your name, even in tragedy, even persecution. Let your name be glorified.
greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we have nothing to fear as long as we walk in the presence. And we can take authority over anything in our lives, over anything that's going on. We take authority over what's going on in Afghanistan in the name of Jesus. Remember when the children of Israel went to battle, the Lord said, be prepared, get up. Stay, stay in this atmosphere of worship. We are going to transition into the sermon, but stay in this atmosphere. Brother Charlie, can you grab me the liquor? Y'all can go be seated, but stay in this atmosphere of worship because the presence of the Lord is among us right now. We need to foster that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I, I, want, I want you to raise your hands and lift your eyes to heaven because that is where our hope comes from. That's where our power comes from. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you for being amongst us today. Holy Spirit, thank you for allowing us for allowing us to be in your presence. Not that you come and abide in our presence, but you bring your presence to us and we abide in your presence. And Holy Father, right now, like we've been praying of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, I pray that would be the posture of our heart, that we would not stop praying for our brothers and sisters, that our heart would be in the place, a posture of our heart would be in the place to constantly, 
constantly pray for our pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world because Afghanistan isn't the only place Christians are being persecuted. Christians are being persecuted in South America. They're being persecuted in China and in Russia, Lord God, and they're being persecuted, Lord God. Right now, we just lift our prayers of protection and worship, Lord God, to our brothers and sisters. But Lord, right now, I pray that this, this would open the eyes of the saints in America, that this would open the eyes of your children here in America, that we would know this is serious. This isn't a game. These aren't church games we can play because as we see today, even our freedoms in America are being taken away. Laws are being passed to take away the freedom of speech in America. Little by little, we see the book of Revelation coming to pass. This is not a game. This is the ultimate reality, and this is not the ultimate life of the life to come. So Lord God, I pray you would open the eyes of your saints, open the hearts of your saints, open the minds and the spirits and the souls and the bodies of your saints to the true reality. And Lord God, right now, I just pray you would speak through me that everything I say today would be directly to you. And I pray you would open the ears of the saints to hear the word and open their spirits to hear the word. And Lord God, this thorn in my flesh that every time I preach, there's this pain in my back. I pray that I would be able to focus through the distraction and the pain to preach your word, Lord God, because all I know is that it is a distraction from the enemy. And it will not hinder your word going forth today, Lord God. So right now, I just pray you would be with us as we finish up our series, week four of the Spiritual Gifts Powered Up series, that we would know as Christians more than ever we need to walk in our spiritual gifts as the day draws near. As the day draws near, that we would not be caught sleeping, but we would be ready for the bridegroom. That when Jesus comes, we would be ready. We would not be asleep, but we would be active and alive and our lamps would have plenty of oil. That they would be burning so bright that everyone else would start lighting their lamps because they see how bright ours are. That we would truly be a light on a hill, a light to the Midlands, a light to South Carolina, a light to the East Coast of what it means to be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, just as in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says the people walked in the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit and their numbers multiplied. I pray that this church would walk in the fear of the Lord, knowing where our help comes from and knowing where true power lies, but also being empowered and Holy Spirit filled to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, that our numbers and salvation would be multiplied. Your mighty, holy, glorious, worthy name we pray. Amen and amen. By the way, we will not be having children's church today. We will not be having children's church today. So if you need to hand the kiddos the phones, I completely understand. I will not be offended. I promise. If, if you didn't see, my baby is also in here, so I'm not going to be offended at all. Y'all probably heard him during the beginning of service, his little loud self. Wonder where he gets that from. I could never imagine where my baby would get his voice from. Oh, let me give him a kiss. Hi, buddy. You smiling at daddy? You little rotten baby. A rotten little baby. Oh man. Yo, I do I, I have a heavy heart. I have a heavy heart from the things happening in the world, but y'all been saying for a while it's this we as believers in America think this could never happen to us. 
We think that can never happen to us, but I don't know if y'all even keep up with legislation and laws being passed in America, but um, our neighbors to the north, Canada, they have no free speech laws. And if you didn't know, y'all, they are locking down churches. They are putting gates and fences around churches, so, and they are arresting pastors. Our neighbors to the north, in Canada, you would probably never think, Canada, what in the world? Yes, they are arresting pastors for having church. They are literally putting fences, police around churches, so they cannot meet. And you think it can't happen to us? And you think it can't happen to us? You understand that the, the current political party we have in power is pushing to have our free speech laws revoked. So what does that mean? That means you say something they don't appreciate, you get thrown in prison. Do you know how offensive this Bible is to the world? How homophobic it is to the world? And y'all think it can't happen to us. Y'all think us having to meet in secret can't happen to us. Keep your eyes open, saints. Look at the world. Look at the world. You know, people have said this time and time again, but in the book of Revelation, the symbol for America is not shown in the book of Revelation of the, of the, of the lasting nations in the end of time. It could be 10 years from now. It could be 100 years from now. All I know is the, traject- is the trajectory of this nation is going the wrong way. Our foundation, what we were built upon, was what? One nation under God. This nation now hates the church. This nation now hates everything it was built upon. And I dealt on Wednesday night with the fear of the Lord. Do you know why Biden is making the stupid decisions he is making? Because wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom, understanding comes from the fear of the Lord. And when the people running a nation have no fear of the Lord, you can understand the outcome. Now, this is weighing heavy on my heart because I keep saying the American church is so lackadaisical and casual with the way we go about doing ministry. And Christians decide they don't want to come to church. Numbers are always down when it rains, when people are tired. And we have brothers and sisters across the globe dying for the name of Jesus. We have children, children. Have, have y'all seen on social media how the missionaries are sending out the text? saying that even children are saying we will die for the name of Jesus. I'm talking five and six-year-old children are being killed for the name of Jesus, but a grown adult American who has everything force-fed to them can't even come to church. Saints, we better wake up. Today's the day to wake up. All right, this is week four. These last five spiritual gifts in our series... But first, we're going we're gonna to finish up with Corinthians. Obviously, there's other chapters, but we're going we're gonna to deal with this. Love the superior way. And there's a reason. There's a reason that it's called love the superior way. Paul, in the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Seek these greater gifts, but I will show you the superior way. 1 Corinthians 13. Turn there, if you will, if you have your Bibles, smartphones. Because I think it's important now. I, I have a synopsis of what the verses are saying, but I want us to get into the Word together and look at these verses. Let them go into our spirit, into our soul. Once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm starting at verse 1. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What is this saying? It is all profitless without love. You could, speak in the, you could speak in tongues of angels constantly. You could be put on a pedestal in the church and be amazing. Oh my gosh, he's speaking in heavenly tongues. But if you do not love your brothers and sisters, it's profitless. It's worthless. It means nothing. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, for some reason people in the church always want to give a deeper mystery, a deeper understanding. But when I see you not openly loving your brothers and sisters, I don't care what understanding or deeper understanding or mysteries you know. If you do not love people, then your words are void and they fall to the ground. If you have not love, it does not matter how much you know the Bible. It does not matter how much you think you hear from God if you do not love the brethren. If you do not fellowship with the brethren, if you do not seek the will of God, there's pointless. And if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Can I tell you today, if someone were to speak to a mountain and it moved, that person would probably put on a pedestal beside Jesus in the church. Can I, can, can I, be, can I be real? If we saw a Christian in today's culture performing miracles, we would probably put them on the same pedestal as Jesus. But none of that matters if we do not love. This isn't a human love, what can I get from you type of love. This is agape love. This is unconditional love. And we in the church today do not do well in the American church with love. By the way, our community event, I kind of had a feeling this would happen, but we had two people from the community come. Two people. But it was a success. Do you know why? Because we loved on those two people. We loved on those two people, but better yet, we loved on each other. Y'all, some of y'all were having conversations. I don't think y'all had ever talked to each other before. So you know what? While we thought this was for the community, God knew it was for us. Because God has to build up this body. God has to establish this body before we can properly impact the community. And I counted it as a major success. Because like I said, I saw y'all loving, genuinely loving on one another, talking to one another, pouring in to one another. Verse 4. And yes, this, this is the passage that's read at all weddings. Yes, but we're, we're going to dig into this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. By this definition of love, we have failed miserably. We have failed horribly, terribly. We have failed. Do you understand that in America, they say the most segregated hour of the week is Sunday mornings? We have failed to love one another. We have put personal preference over love. We have put our preference in worship music over love. We have put our personal preference in leadership over love. We have made the church, we have put man in the place of God in the American church. And let's, let's read this definition again. Love is patient. 
I know a lot of people who leave a church, the first signs things get bad. They're not patient with it. Love is kind. I know a lot of people in the church who are not kind. Love does not envy. I know a lot of people in the church who would love to have my position. Hold up now. Oh, is it getting real? Yeah, it's getting real. It's not boastful. I know some people in the church who are boastful in themselves. What, what did Paul say? He said, all my righteousness is filthy rash compared to Christ. I boast in no one but Christ and the cross. It's not arrogant. I know some Christians who think they know better than pretty much every single person around them. Hey, you may hear from God, but guess what? Others do too. <gasps> what? And if you're the only one saying something and everyone else disagrees, you're probably the one who's wrong. Whoa now. Come on, pastor. It's not rude. Y'all, some of y'all have been rude to me before. And I'm the pastor. Hold up now. Whoa, pastor Asylum. Oh, come on now. Come on now. It's not self-seeking. Wow, man, love is not self-seeking. Y'all, I'm a new pastor with a year and a half into marriage and a new baby. You know, someday I just want to crawl in a hole and say, everyone, leave me alone. I don't want to change any diapers. I don't want to be sweet to my wife. I don't want to deal with y'all some days. I just want to crawl into a hole. But love is not self-seeking. And you know what the beauty of love is? The more you pour out, the more God pours in. The more you pour out your cup, the more God pours into your cup. It's not irritable. I ain't gonna lie. Some of y'all are pretty irritable. Y'all, I'm just being honest because if we're not real with one another, that's a problem, correct? Some of y'all get real irritated about some little stuff. And I'm like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, did, did Pastor Tim not say, talk about flexibility? Like, all the time, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. How long did y'all sit under his ministry and some of y'all still are as flexible as this? No matter how many times we hit you with the word of God, you're this. Come on, y'all. We as Christians have to be joyous people, kind people, compassionate people, patient people. Huh, did we not just talk about the fruits of the Spirit? Man, sometimes I wonder about y'all. I'm just playing. <laughs> just playing. Lighten the mood because some of y'all look real mad at me right now. And does not keep record of wrongs. I love this. Do you know how many people have held on to church hurt for 30 years? Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Some of y'all's marriages are miserable because you kept every record of wrong your spouse ever did. I'm just being honest. Some of y'all have miserable family lives because every time your family wronged you, you wrote it down and kept it in a journal. Y'all, that's not love, Christians. That's not love. Do you understand? Jesus died so we could be a part of the new humanity. I talk about this all the time. Romans chapter 5 calls Jesus the new Adam, the new human. He came to be the example of what the church was supposed to be. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Pretty clear there. Verse 7, it bears all things. Y'all, this is something I love about love. It bears all things. You don't give up on someone the first time they hurt you. You don't give up on someone the first time they're hard to deal with. That's not love. Believes all things. What is that? It's believing for the best in people. When you genuinely love someone, you believe the best in them and you see their potential and you want to bring it out of them. Hopes all things. 
endures all things. Do we understand? Love endures all things. When you genuinely love someone, I'm saying when you love somebody, it endures all things. No matter how many times they hurt you, no matter how many times they mistreat you, you love that person. It's a genuine, enduring love. Now, I'm not saying you don't got to handle business and sometimes you got to clear out toxic people. But I'm saying that love does not turn into bitterness once they're gone. It remains love. And love never ends. Do you understand? Do you understand? This is Revelation chapter 21, I believe. It's the great white throne judgment of God. It says, before his face, the heavens and the earth will pass away. Everything, y'all, the spiritual gifts, the fruits, everything is going to pass away in the blink of an eye. Prophecy will be gone. You won't need prophecy. You'll see him as he is face to face. All these things will be gone, all knowledge, because we will know him as he is. But do you know what endures? Faith won't be there because faith is believing what you can't see. Hope won't be there because hope is hoping for something that hasn't yet come. Love will remain. When you are in the presence of the Father face to face, the one thing that will remain for all of eternity is love. It never ends. Everything else will pass away. Everything else will fall away. All these mere little petty things you hold on to will stay. They will leave. Everything will be gone. They won't be here. It's gone. It's void. But love will remain for eternity. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, sorry, y'all, my baby's making me laugh. When the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. Hey, Christians, we got to grow up. We got to grow up spiritually. We got, we got to stop thinking like little babies. So listen, some of y'all are so stuck here. And, and, and are so bothered by things here because you never grew up. Some of y'all are bothered by things in the spirit that, that, uh, that a baby is bothered by in the spirit. When in reality, you're supposed to step right over those things because you're an adult. Hey, guess what? Adults can step over baby gates. Babies can't. You are stuck and hindered by a baby gate in the spirit because you never matured enough to get over it. Christians, it's time to grow up. I should not have to beg you to come on Wednesday nights. Can, can I be honest with you? Something that y'all have frustrated me about. Can I be honest with you? Can I be honest? Like, I love y'all, so I'm telling y'all. If I didn't love y'all, I wouldn't tell y'all the truth. I'm speaking love and truth. Truth and love. You know what frustrates me? The best turnouts we've had on Wednesday nights was when I personally invited you on Sunday to come on Wednesday night. When I don't ask you on a Sunday to come on a Wednesday night, there's like seven of you. Can, can I be honest? Y'all, Sunday morning Christianity is not enough. That's why you're still a baby. Some of y'all in here are still babies. I'm not saying that to hurt your feelings. I'm saying that so you know, so you can mature. Because y'all, guess what? If, if, if somehow, some way, America was overthrown by another government and they were killing Christians, do you know baby Christians would deny Jesus? Baby Christians would not, because it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not Christ who lives in them, it's them who lives in them. And you understand, Scripture talks about the great falling away of the church. Multiple times, actually. Christians, we got to grow up. Verse 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face in glory. 
Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. We'll see him face to face. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love never ends. Faith ends. You don't got to have faith when you see it face to face. I don't got to have faith. See, he's here. See, he is right there. I can see him with my eyes. Is anyone else heartbroken over the state of the church today? Over the lack of love in the church today? You understand the only thing we need to even get along is Jesus. He connects us all. He is our all in all. He is in all. This is his church. This is his body. And we as the church have loved as the world, not as Christ. It's as simple as this, people. Love God, love people. And out of your overflow from the Lord, you will love people better. Can I tell you 100% that the Holy Spirit in me empowers me to love people better? It empowers me to have agape love, unconditional love that surpasses all understanding. Y'all, sometimes I love people who are so horrible to me. And I said, Josiah, how did that even happen? I'm like, oh yeah, it's the Holy Spirit inside of me that empowers us to love people. even though And Christians, can I tell you, we have not experienced any type of persecution yet. But the time is coming that we will. Josiah, how do you know this? Have you ever opened the book of Revelation? Have you, have you ever read the things to come? And my Aunt Michelle brought up in, in prayer this morning as we were praying for Afghanistan that there was a post online that said, you know, we get frustrated by dropping the soap in the shower this morning, but there are people in Afghanistan who don't even know how they're going to survive the day. And we get so hung up on these little petty things, but we have people in other countries who have nothing. Look at this building we have, y'all. This is a beautiful church. It's a big church. It's a nice church. We have nice sound equipment. We have nice visuals. We can sit here comfortably in our nice cushiony chairs pretty building, and we take it for granted. And so many Christians in America have forsaken the gathering of the brethren. And we choose to watch online instead of being together. How can you love people if you're not with people? Do, do we understand love flows? Love, love, is, love is connecting in all things. Our love for God is shown in our love for people. If you aren't very loving for people, yet you claim to love God, you probably don't love God. Because when you love God, you love the things that God loves. And when you love God, you hate the things that God hates. So just so, so if, if I could be a fly in the wall in your everyday life, I could know really well whether or not you love God or not. Do you love the things God loves? You know God loves people, right? It is his will that all men be saved. You know he hates evil, right? Mm. Ephesians 4. Verses 1 through 16. Let's get into this. This is where our spiritual gifts lie today. This is where they are. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. And Christians, do you understand? This is all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to... Paul, I, I, I get him. Because Paul, Paul was like the... He was the tough love type of guy. He was the one that called Christians to do better, to walk better, to become mature in the faith. And this, this is my heart right here. Verse 1 is truly my heart for the church. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you, beg you, plead with you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with all patience, bearing with one another in love. 
making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. Don't you love how the Scripture just stands for itself? Like sometimes you don't even need a pastor to say anything. You just need to hear it read out loud. So I'm going to read it again. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with, all, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How beautiful is that? How beautiful are those first three verses and that exhortation to believers? That is what I long for in this church. Verse 4, there is one body, one spirit. We dealt with this last week. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. You understand it's one. The Father is one. The Holy Spirit, there's one spirit inside the body. There's one body, there's one head of the body. We understand this, correct? We are one body. We're united through the Spirit, through salvation in Jesus Christ. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Once again, verse 7. Now grace was given to each one of us, right? We're not all the same. We're not all given the same spiritual gifts. was given to each one, each individual, according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says... When he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. Now, ascended on high, that is both position, all right? He was placed as king of kings, lord of lords, above all when he rose, right? He was put in his proper position at the right hand of the Father. So it's positioning, but also spiritual positioning and the fact that whenever he died and rose again, what did he do? He conquered hell, sin, and the grave. So when Jesus was ascended, Put in his right place. He took the captives captive. Anything that could captivate you, anything that could hold you captive in the spirit has now been defeated. Christians, do you understand he died so you could be free? He died so that you would have victory in his name. Y'all, can I be honest with you? I don't sin even nearly anywhere close as much as I did even two years ago. Sanctification is a beautiful thing. And I find myself becoming more like Jesus and it's beautiful. Why? Because he has given us victory over sin. We don't have to keep falling into the same thing over and over and over. Generational curses do not have to stay in your family. He gave us victory to break the bondage of the enemy. What does it say? He took the captives captive. Those who were the captors are now captured. They, they, they are held in bondage now before the name of Jesus at the throne of Jesus. They cannot stand. Christians, so long in the church we give ourselves pity parties. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm just, a, I'm just a human being. That's what I do. I sin. Stop making excuses when Jesus died for that reason. He didn't die for you to stay the same. He died so we could have victory, and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature married by, sorry, measured by Christ's fullness. Huh, that maturity thing keeps popping up, doesn't it? That, that, that maturity, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Do we understand? Do, do, do we see that? The measurement, the accountability we're held to, what does that say? Christ's fullness, holiness, righteousness, 
purity. That's the standard our maturity is held to. Do we look like Jesus? Does our church act like Jesus? Are we the hands and feet of Jesus? Do, do we respond like Jesus? Do we react like Jesus? What does our life look like? That's the measurement we are held to. Jesus is the standard. Verse 14, then we will no longer be little children. Listen, church, this, this, is, the, this is the majority of the church. And I'm not saying this, oh, I'm better. No, I'm saying this because this breaks my heart. Verse 14, then we will no longer be little children, because that, that's what the majority of the church is, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. Do you know how many Christians have left orthodox teaching in the church? How many Christians have flowed to and from because of the prosperity gospel? Because people told them that, oh, your life's going to be perfect. You're going to get Lamborghinis, Mercedes, mansions. If you just give your money here, you'll be blessed. Do we understand how many immature Christians have been tossed to and fro from doctrine to doctrine? By human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Do you understand a mature believer sees a wolf from a mile away? Do you hear me? A mature believer sees a wolf from a mile away. What does verse 14 say? Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, what have I been doing? Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, all of us, the body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. We all have a part. We all have a part. Apostle. The gift of apostle is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to assume and to exercise divinely imparted authority in order to establish the foundational government of an assigned sphere of ministry within the church. An apostle hears only from the Holy Spirit and sets things in order accordingly for the church's health, growth, maturity, and outreach. Listen, a lot of people in the church believe this gift no longer exists. They believe that when the original apostles died off, so the original disciples who became apostles died off, they believe this gift left. I don't believe that whatsoever. This is a ministry gift. This builds up the body, but ministries for this gift is church planning. Majority of apostles we see today are church planners. That's what they do. They build up the body of Christ. They plant churches. They then, they then put the government in the church and help establish the church. And then they go on to plant another church. Church planners are usually have the gift of an apostle. And another ministry is restoring order in the body. We understand some churches are just completely out of whack when it comes to order. There's no order in that church. They just do willy-nilly, act crazy. Everyone thinks they can just do whatever they want to do. That's not true. So the, the gift of an apostle is, I pray to see more of this in the younger generation. I believe there are people in the generation who are currently teens coming up who are seeing there's more to life than what they're experiencing who are going to raise up to be church planners. I'm not just talking the modern day church planners we see with the cool music, the cool lights. The, we are opening our service, come and enter our raffle where we give away free iPads. No, that's not what I'm saying. That is not proper church planning. I'm talking young men and women who are on fire to see the will of God in their generation, but across the world who plant Bible-believing churches to impact the nations for Jesus Christ. I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe, I, I see it in some of the young men and women who are just sick and tired of their generation. They're sick and tired of the things they do, the things they say, the social media trends. They're tired of it, and they just want more of Jesus. And I long to see that in the body of believers. Helps, the gift of helps, is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to invest the talents they have in the life 
and ministry of other, of other members of the body, thus enabling those members to increase the effectiveness of their own spiritual gifts. Y'all, I love people who have the, who have the spiritual gift of helps. Why? Because let's read it again. It's a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to invest. Listen, they invest their talents in the life of other people in the ministry, right? Thus enabling those others to increase the effectiveness of their own spiritual gifts. They're not out seeking their own. They're not out seeking what position can I have? How how can I use my gifts the best? They're seeking to help other people use their spiritual gifts to the best of their abilities. Do y'all understand that's what I'm doing here? That's the whole reason I, the Lord even put this series on my mind was because I saw too many Christians walking without their spiritual gifts. Guns without bullets. Weapons without any ammunition. That's what I saw all around me. Amen? So I am working in the, in the spiritual gift of helps to help you become more effective in your spiritual gifts by pouring out my life and my knowledge and wisdom upon you to help you further yourself in this gift. And I know there are plenty of people in this church who pour this gift out into me. Pastor Charlie does this for me all the time. Pastor Charlie makes sure I'm the most effective I can possibly be when I'm ministering to you guys. That is a beautiful gift because it's a selfless gift. This is completely behind the scenes. And it's a ministry gift. Every ministry needs this gift. Every ministry needs people who are going to be backing you up, encouraging you, but not, listen, it's, it's not just encouraging. Y'all, this is not the gift of exhortation. This is giving of your time and your talents to help someone else be successful. You give up your time. You give up your talents to invest in someone else's life to help them become more effective in the kingdom. Every ministry needs this gift, and this is a motivational gift because it gets people excited. It gets people motivated to do more for the kingdom of God, and it makes them more effective in the kingdom of God. The gift of administration, governments getting others to work together. The gift of administration is the special ability God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to understand clearly the immediate, the immediate and long-range goals of a particular unit of the body and to devise and execute effective plans for the accomplishment of those goals. Y'all, these are our planners. The, the administrative ones are our planners. They see the immediate goals, but they also see what do we need to do in order to achieve the long-term goals. Can, do y'all know who has this gift like above and beyond? Miss Melody. Miss Melody has the gift of administration like unlike anyone I have ever seen, y'all. She knows, she sees the holes and she plugs them. Yes, a round of applause. Listen. I don't think this church could literally function day to day without Miss Melody. Y'all don't understand. Like, y'all, y'all, she's quiet and she's a behind-the-scenes lady, but y'all don't understand. This lady is overflowing with spiritual gifts. Just spend five minutes with her. But the gifts of administration is crucial to the body of Christ because they see the holes in immediate decisions and long-term. They see the holes and they help fill them and plug them so that it's a healthy body. This is a ministry gift. It promotes the body. It edifies the body. Um, the event planning team. Event planning team needs people, right? Because we're going to be doing more events for the community. And listen, yes, we had two people, but we're praying for a better turn. Listen, I knew that when I heard this variant of COVID and how many people were getting COVID now, I, had to, I kind of figured the community wasn't going to come out because we had planned this months ago. And I, I had a feeling, but you know what? It was good for our body to be together. But, you know, we're, we're planning on more events in the future. We're not letting COVID shut us down. We're still planning. And we're being observant and vigilant for the things to come, but we're planning. And we need people who have the administration gift to help with event planning. Also, church leadership. Church leadership needs this gift because you are helping build this body. And this is a beautiful gift. It's another behind-the-scenes gift, but it's a ministry gift because it builds up the body of Christ. The gift of evangelist. You, you, you don't see this gift much anymore because there's, there's this 
stipulation in the American church that we're not to share our faith or that people are just afraid to share their faith. But I think I've met, like, actually genuinely met, like, three people with the, with the spiritual gift of evangelism, and they have zero fear. They will go up and talk to anyone. They don't care, and they will share the gospel. This is a beautiful gift, and I'm praying the Lord produces more of this in me, but also in you guys. I believe every Christian should pray and thirst for this gift right here. The gift of evangelists is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that men and women become Jesus' disciples and responsible members of the body of Christ. Listen, we don't just want converts in this church. We want disciples of Jesus Christ in this church. We're not here just for numbers to see people get saved. Once they're saved, we got to do something with them. We, have, we are responsible, y'all, because I'm believing for an inflooding of new people. We are responsible for helping them mature in their faith. We are responsible for discipling them and helping them become disciples of Jesus Christ. There's a ministry gift that builds up the body, both in numbers and in spirit and in strength. Ministries, if you have the gift of evangelism, all right, the evangelism team. Obviously, if you have the evangelist gift, you should join the evangelism team. The first touch ministries, y'all, I have seen evangelists to the point where even just a smile starts a conversation and they're able to tell people about Jesus. It's wild. First touch ministry. Youth ministry. Listen, we have some great teens, but I'm praying that more unsaved teens come in there and they're going to need people to preach the gospel to them, but build relationship as well. You understand evangelism isn't just standing on a street corner screaming, you're going to hell except Jesus. It also has to do with the way you build relationships. There's a thing called lifestyle evangelism. By the way you live, people will see, but you can't use that as an excuse not to speak the gospel. There's both. You need to speak the gospel, but you also need to live the gospel. And preaching. Listen, there's a, I, I can't remember his name, but I've listened to this thing in Oklahoma. He's an evangelist. Y'all, the way he preached just like grabbed my heart, and I was already a believer. It's like he wasn't saying anything profound. He wasn't saying anything crazy. But that spiritual gift was so strong upon him that when he spoke, his words did not fall void. They landed on every single ear, and there were hundreds of us in that room. He wasn't, he wasn't the most amazing, eloquent speaker ever. He just spoke, and you knew he had these spiritual gifts of evangelism because his words just stuck in your spirit and in your soul. And I long to see that in the church. And listen, even if you don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, we should still be evangelizing. Pastor, listen, there, there, there's a misconception about pastors in America. You do not have to have a Bible degree to be a pastor. Do we understand that? Like that, that, that is not what being a pastor. Being a pastor does not have going to seminary. It's not, and I have a Bible degree. It's not going to Bible college. It's not any of that. What, what is the gift of a pastor? It's the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to assume a long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers. Do you know who exemplifies this spiritual gift? My father. Because I know he's still a pastor to some of you. And he's not even here anymore. I know some of you talk to him on the phone and have phone conversations. That's a beautiful thing. That is the spiritual gift of a pastor. But listen, there are some of you in here who are pastors who never even stepped foot in a Bible college. I'm going to read it again because we, we get this misconception. Okay, we get this misconception that only those who go to seminary are good enough to be pastors. Being a pastor is a calling. It's not a degree. I know plenty of people who've been to seminary. First off, they can't even preach a lick. Nothing they're saying even sticks to anyone. They've been to seminary. I'm talking, been in seminary for six years, can't even preach worth a lick, but they don't impact anyone's life, and they've been to seminary. A degree means nothing. It's about calling. Mm, y'all, we got it wrong. Got it mixed up. And I love it. Long term, listen, long term. Y'all, listen, there's a difference between a shepherd and a hireling. A shepherd stays with the flock through thick and thin. A hireling comes and goes when it's convenient for him or her to do so. 
Listen, we got a lot of hirelings standing up in pulpits today. A lot of hirelings. But not many shepherds who are willing to tell the sheep what they need to hear and defend them from the wolves. Y'all understand, I'm going to stand for y'all. I'm going to fight for y'all. I would may even physically fight for y'all. I'm just I'm being honest. I'm not that saved yet. Someone lays a hand on y'all, I might have to lay some hands. You got me, Ellie, you see what I'm saying? I'm serious. I got y'all. I'm like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too spiritual to be real. You know what I'm saying? I'm here for y'all. I love y'all. I, listen, I've already fended y'all from more wolves than y'all even know about. That's what pastors do. They love people. They care for, even when y'all are mean and rude, I love y'all. I care for y'all. I'm here. I'm not going to run. Cause why? Because I'm not a hireling. I didn't come here for a paycheck. I came here because I was called to be here. And if I'm being honest, I didn't even want to be here when they offered me the job. I didn't want to be y'all's pastor. I'm being honest. I genuinely didn't. Y'all, I almost went to Life Springs. I'm serious. No, I'm being honest with y'all because I, I need y'all to know this. I didn't come here for a paycheck. I was offered a paycheck other places. I actually had three different job offers from three different churches. But I knew God called me here. God called me to this flock. Do y'all understand? That's why I'm not playing games with y'all. That's why I'm not coming up here trying to make y'all feel good all the time. I'm trying to help y'all mature in your faith because the day is drawing near. I don't want y'all to be caught sleeping. We got to wake up, church. I love y'all enough to tell y'all these things. Every ministry needs pastors. Do you understand this? It's, it's not a title. Being a pastor is not a title. It's a calling. I know, y'all, I, I know so many pastors who have the spirit to get the pastor who don't ever have a title anywhere in their entire lives. But they minister to people better than the person behind the pulpit can. It's a calling. Listen, that... That, 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 that wraps up the spiritual gifts, all 20 of them. We dealt with all 20 of them in detail. But listen, if this, if this is nothing else you get, right? We talked about fruits next week, the most important thing. Because everything, listen, everything flows out of this right here. Most importantly, remain attached to the source. Everything flows. Everything I talked about, the spiritual gifts, the fruits of the Spirit, everything flows out of this right here. Most importantly, remain attached to the source. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Listen, every branch in me that does, not produce, that does not produce fruit is removed. Do you understand that? Christians that do not produce fruit are removed. Who says that? Jesus said that. Your, your Savior said that. Not, not Pastor Josiah. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, said this. This ain't me. This is the Bible. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. Do we understand why I'm saying it's so important to, to produce fruit? Do you want to be removed from the true vine? Nobody in here wants that. Do you understand why I keep saying you must produce fruit? Because this right here. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Do we understand pruning is not comfortable? Do you understand what pruning is? Pruning is cutting. Sometimes God prunes us and it feels horrible, but we come out stronger and better and more mature because of it. But he wants to do that. You understand he gives us hardships as a test of our faith. Faith is not faith until it's tested. You can say you believe all the day long, but when, when push comes to shove, do you believe? Like our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who have a gun pointed to their head, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, bang, shot, that proves it, that shows it. When, when, when push comes to shove, do you believe? That is how it has to be tested. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, his teachings, his word, how it brings salvation. Verse 4, remain in me. And I will remain in you. That is the most beautiful promise in the whole Bible to me. 
Verse 4 is the most beautiful promise in the entire Bible. He says, this is a promise from our Messiah. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. You understand it all flows from our relationship with Jesus. If we're not attached to the source, we have no power, we have no energy, we have no resources, we shrivel up and we die without the source. Verse 5, beautiful, here we go. I am the vine. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. He's the source. We are the branches who come off of him. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Do you see that? Do you see how when we remain in Jesus, we produce much fruit? Because you can do nothing without me. Do we understand this, saints? We can do nothing. Sorry, I didn't flip it. We can do nothing without him. We are powerless without him. We are not capable unless we have him. And saints, if that's all you get out of this whole series, most importantly, remain attached to the source. And next week, I'm going to be preaching a message that the Holy Spirit gave me called The Vineyard. And I'm excited for that because we're dealing, we're dealing heavily with this topic. We're not just touching that. We're diving into this. And it's called The Vineyard. We are the vineyard of the Lord. But listen, remain attached to the source. But now the series is over. Now it's time to put it all into practice. Everything I've said, everything I've taught, everything I've done, it's time to put it into practice. Number one, get plugged in. You hear me? Get plugged in. It's not good enough just to be a Sunday morning Christian. That's not good enough. Get plugged in. The Lord wants more of you. He expects more of you. Sign up to serve in one of our ministries. Sign up to serve in one of our ministries. Do you know what blows my mind? I have seen some Christians be so hard on their children. Okay, hear me out. Be so hard on their children, so strict, so stern. They, they claim to be Christians, right? Now, I'm not saying that's bad. Listen, you've got you to finish the story, right? Don't get, what? He said not be strict. No, I love being strict. I'm strict myself. Anyways, listen. But what happens is they, they, they live this wonky life as a Christian just doing whatever they please. You're a child of God. Do you not think he holds you to a standard? You hold your physical children to a standard. Do you not think he holds you to a standard? So we cannot just live our lives willy-nilly as children of God because he expects more of us. And a lot of you got some bad stuff happening in your lives because you stepped outside of the will of God for your life. Now, yes, bad things happen to us. But some of it is literally a testing of our faith to bring us back to the Lord. Try your suspected gifts. Try them. Work them out. And I saw, I, listen, I'm going to confirm some gifts in y'all later this week, but I saw a lot of y'all producing gifts even at the event we had yesterday. Let the Lord confirm them in you by using them. I can say I have a gift all the day long, but if I'm not using it, how do I even know? It's not confirmed in me. Speak to a church leader and allow them to confirm gifts. Listen, Y'all, church leaders, I hope you would trust us to have some type of spiritual wisdom. But come to us, ask us, let us confirm or even search these things with you, but also to help you develop the confirmed gifts. Remember I said last week, no, sorry, the week before, that we need to seek out people who are walking in those gifts to help us better walk in our gifts. And lastly, continue to seek your gifts in prayer and through the reading of the word. Y'all, you got to be attached to the source. Got to be attached to the source. And literally, and what, what the Lord has been showing me, even more importantly, is that in the American church, we have called this God. We have called our Bible God. And we spent more time reading our Bibles than we have spending time with Him. So for me, what He's doing in my personal life is He's showing me, of course, I read my Bible, to read your Bible, but to spend even more time in prayer with me, conversating with me, than you do reading the Word. Spend time building relationships, saints. Build the relationship, because without the relationship, you are not a son or a daughter. Mm. 
Auntie, would you do that first song for us? The Great Are You Lord song. Y'all, let, let, let's end with worship. As we seek our spiritual gifts, let's end and give worship to the one who gives spiritual gifts, to one who gives us the good things. And y'all smile. Don't look so, don't look so mad all the time. Show, show me some teeth.
How many enjoyed that word today? I said, how many enjoyed that word today? He was talking about love at the beginning of, the, of his message. And it reminded me of something that happened to me this past week, and I hadn't even told my wife about it. But I was at work, and obviously a lot of y'all know I'm in car business. And I was talking to a customer, and come to find out, uh, we're talking back and forth. And uh, the guy, he wants to do the thing that everybody in the South always wants to do. They want to sleep on it. They want to think about it. They want to pray on it. And you always hear those same three things. So one of my things is always when I hear they want to pray on it, I always say, well, great, let me pray with you. <laughs> I say, because the Bible says when two or more are gathered in his name, he'll be in the midst. And I want God to hear my side of the story too. <laughs> and so when I say that, you find out real quick if they lying to you or not. <laughs> well, the guy was actually a pastor. And he's like, son, look, where, where you go to church at? I said, I actually go to Crossroads World Outreach Center. He said, that over in uh, West Columbia? I said, yes, sir, it actually is. He said, that's where uh, that Pastor Tim Hodge was at, right? I said, yes, sir. And I'm just listening to him. He says, yeah, he's a good man. I said, yes, sir, he sure was. Now, yet, I still have not told him he's family. And then he goes into the thing. He says, I hear he's no longer there. I said, no, sir. He said, here they got some young kid there now. I said, yes, sir. I said, he's not a young kid. I said, he's married now and got a, he's got a little baby. I said, but he's doing a great job. He said, hmm. Yeah, you know how them young pastors are. I said, yeah, I sure do. I said, sir, he's preaching more word than people I've known in ministry for 40 or 50 years. I said, and not only is he my pastor, but he's also my nephew. So I said, check yourself, sir. <laughs> Real quick. And I stood up and I said, I hope you have a great day. I probably will not get that car deal, just letting you know. Uh, but Real quick, not only did I love because he is family, but he's my pastor. And I'm like, you're not going to talk about my pastor. You're not going to talk about him. I don't care who you are. You can catch these hands real quick. We can roll right here. Might lose my job, but you're not going to talk about my church or my church family. And if I felt that way about my pastor and my own family, think about how God loves you. Because I'm reminded of when I was about 17 years old, my youth pastor, Michelle's youth pastor as well, his name was Maxie Burles. This was a man of God. Good Lord have mercy. I mean, he is probably right now, he's passed away, but he's probably sitting right beside God and Jesus. How close, that's how this, I mean, that's where this man was at. And you, if you don't believe me, you can ask Michelle. I mean, he's just the epitome of youth pastors. And every youth pastor to this day is measured to Maxie Burles. But he was preaching in our service one night, and I'll never, ever forget the way he presented Jesus dying on the cross. And it was at that moment that I gave my life to Christ. But it was something that you've heard so much about the, how Jesus died on the cross, but the way he exemplified the love that Jesus shared to die on that cross so that I might live with him. I still think about where I was at at Northview Pentecostal, not even Northview Harvest, in the old center block church, I was sitting on the right-hand side, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't get up very fast enough to the altar. Now, you know, as a youth, you go to a church, you go get saved every week. You know, when you're a youth person, you get saved every week. But something about that message changed my life because I knew that, you know, there's a man who loves me that much. A man who was like sitting there who told Judas, go ahead, go do what you got to do. 
I know I got to die. And even when he told his father, God, I don't want to do this, but I know I've got to do it because he loves you that much. And there is no demon in hell that can stop his love from you and what he wants to do for you. So church, I encourage you, continue to dig into this word that he is bringing you. Your pastor is bringing forth some word that's so powerful and so rich and so meaty. And like he said, it's not just going to be here on Sundays, but you got to do it Monday through Sunday. I encourage you to be a part of his services and his Wednesday night Bible studies and everything that he's doing, the men's ministry that we're doing on Sunday nights and the men's cute meeting. Man, you need this. And I'm not just saying this as a ploy. Guys, we need this. We need this time together. I've always been that guy who says, I'll figure it out on my own. I got this. I didn't have nobody else to talk to, so I always just had to figure it out. But I'm telling you, being around these men, just gathering them together, man, it's something powerful. And I'm telling you, when the men come together, it's something about it. When women pray, God, a, a, a mama can pray and shake the walls. But a man can pray and pray for his family, and it shakes down every wall. It breaks walls. So, men, I encourage you to be a part of what's going on. Whether it be two or whether it be 200, I encourage you, men, bring your dads, bring your sons. Uncles, bring your nephews. I encourage you guys to be a part because when the men take hold, it's when everything in this whole church explodes. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, there's something going on in this. So, church, I want to pray with you. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this service. I want to thank you for digging in and being here. I know that, like Pastor was saying, a lot of people, when they hear the rain coming, they say, oh, I can't come to church because it's raining. I can't come to church because it's raining. Let the Spirit of God rain on you. Let God continue to rain in this house and let Him continue to rain on your life. Gracious and wonderful Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing in this house. Uh, God, I want to thank you for the love that you shed on Calvary so that we may be free. God, I want to thank you that you shook our pastor and you made him come to this church so that he can sow that seed into us. Now, Father God, I pray to us as we leave this house today, Father God, I pray to us that we leave changed, not the same person, but God, I pray to us that we leave a better person, a person after God's own heart. So, Lord, I pray to us as we leave here today, Father God, that we will leave blessed and changed. God, I pray and ask as we walk out this door, that as we walk out the doors, Father, that we are different because Christ is inside of us. So, God, I pray and ask that every step that we take, every move that we make, everything that we do has an impact, not only on for the kingdom of heaven, but to destroy the kingdom of hell. So, God, I want to thank you for everything you're doing, everything that you continue to do in this church and on our online ministry. God, continue to bless this church. Continue to pour out, continue to bring out new giftings and new ministries for each and every person in this church. Help us find what pastors have been trying to dig out of us all week long. God, I want to thank you for everything that you're going to do and everything that you're about to do. So, Father God, I pray that you'll bless us indeed, that you will enlarge our territories, that you will keep your hedge of protection about us, that you will keep us from evil, that it harm us not. And, Father, I pray and ask that everything that you do shall give you praise. And the church said, Amen.